0: Matthew chapter 28 verse 16. I'm just going to uh, just talk about one thing this week and next week before we start uh, a series and a book uh, in the Bible, but I just want to kind of talk to you from my heart and talk to you uh, and just kind of ask a question because I think it's always good to ask questions uh, in in the life of a church. Uh, What are we doing uh, is it working? Where are we going? And and these are just kind of questions that any healthy ministry, any healthy organization, any business will be asking themselves. And I think from time to time, it's good for churches just to kind of just dial back just a little bit and say, what are we doing here and where are we going? And Jesus, what we're about to find is about to make uh, an incredible claim, a command, and he's going to give us some comfort in the end of all of this. So Jesus is going to give Uh, a claim, a command to all of us who are believers, and then he's going to provide an incredible comfort uh, for our souls this morning. So here we go, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, The age. One more time, let's just pray over the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. So, Father, again, we just say thank you, Lord, for who you are, that we are able to come before your presence as we are, God. Lord, I thank you for the word that we just read. I thank you, Lord, that many of us probably have come into this room looking, searching for something, wanting some kind of divine word. Thank you, Lord, that your word was just spoken over us. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, and may you be glorified above all things that when we all leave this room collectively, we can say how glorious and gracious is King Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen. A few years ago, before we moved out to Utah, if, if if I don't know you, I'm I'm from Georgia. You'll probably hear that in in my accent when I get a little uh, I don't want to say angry or like maybe just a little excited. Uh, it comes out when i 'm angry at my children, like ma- there 's like a Medea inside of me, uh, even though i 'm a man okay i 'm not afraid to admit that, uh, but there 's a Medea inside of me, and it comes out every now and then. Uh, so while we were in Georgia before, while we were praying and thinking through this move, this two thousand mile move from Georgia to Utah to start a church, uh, several of us began to think like, what is this going to look like like what is the church like what kind of church? Are we trying to be? What is the church that we want to become? And we kept coming around this whole this whole idea of man, we, we just want to be about Jesus. We want to be about the way of Jesus. And from out of that, we came from this this purpose or this mission statement that we came uh, that we just jotted down, and that was to know Jesus and to make Him known. What we have made concrete, as it were, is this statement in keeping with what we find here in Matthew's gospel, for that is simply that we refer to as the Great Commission, that how we look at the Great Commission in our own personal church in this congregation is that we would know Jesus and make him known. In this commission, as we would, uh, as we would rightly call it, as your header would call it, the Great Commission, we find that Jesus gives us or gives the church their marching orders Jesus gives them uh, this clear mandate, this command for them to go. The authority that Jesus has, that now we are instilled upon by the Holy Spirit, we are now commanded to go, to know Jesus, and to make him known. Now, this is not some command in the Bible that you just kind of happenstance on, like you just go, oh, I didn't know this was in there. No, this is like found at the end of every gospel. This is also found at the beginning of Acts. So we find it repeated pattern in this command from Jesus in several of the books. And it's resonating this conclusion that the Gospels record here that Jesus has a purpose and a mission for his church. And if I could digress just for a moment, I shall. That many of us, we are looking for a purpose. We're looking for a mission We're going to go down to to the bookstore and to the library and go into the self-help books and and find those books that say, what is my purpose? What is my vision? What is my mission? Uh, My brothers and sisters, you ain't got to go looking for some kind of outside text to go find the purpose that God has already revealed to you in his word. And that is through the authority of Jesus Christ, you go Therefore, make disciples, teach them, baptize them. All right, I just saved you a ton of money, and I just saved you a lot of time from all the silly podcasts that you'd be looking for and searching for later on because you just I got I just gotta find what, what fits me, what what is my purpose here on, on life? I just gave it to you. So all the money that you gave to all those books or that you were going to give all those books, you can just give them to me. I'll, I'll take it. Fine. Because it's, it's revealed to us in this word. But I will say this, and this is just by way of a, a, a side thought I had this morning. There's a couple of dangers for churches that when we're talking about thinking through our mission as a church, we have, we have a couple of dangers that we need to, to approach right? Uh, well, one of the dangers that I kind of jotted down here is, is is the thinking we are fine because we don't know what we're doing. Um, I, I have to uh, confess something. Um, I'm, I'm not a very good golfer, okay? Now, now I can define good if I were to go to, uh, let, let's say, the place down in St. George. I don't even remember the name of the place. It's like a uh, top golf want to be. And, and so I can go down there, I can drop the ball and I can hit it and I don't, and I'm, I'll have fun. I'll have a blast. I'll miss about a hundred times. And i will be like, how could I not? Like, it's, it's easy. You, you, you hit the ball and it goes, but like, I'm, it'll take me a little bit before I get my swinging gear. And, but, but so if, if my standard and my expectations are that wherever the ball goes, that's a win. And suddenly, I'll think I'm ready for the tour. Like, I'm ready for the Grand Masters. I don't even know if that's what it's called, but let's just, let's just say that's what it's called, okay? Because I don't even care about golf. Nobody does, really. Uh, and so, and so if, if I hit these balls, I'm like, I'm ready. But then to go find out that, wait a minute, there's actually a target that I was supposed to hit, then I am in trouble. At that point, I realize it's time for me to pack up my bags and leave. I think the church is in danger of us just coming in here without a clear purpose, thinking that we're doing just fine. But I think on top and what is more dangerous than cluelessness would be that we're replacing the mission that God has called us for preoccupation and maintenance in, in, in other words, the clear call that Christ gives us to go proclaim the saving news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is just too uncomfortable for me. So what I'd rather do is for us to set up in this church just for us to be comfortable and do things out of my convenience and, 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 and me kind of lay heavy on my preferences at the sake of... Of me not going, therefore, and proclaiming the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I, I, think, I think that any church is in danger of those two things when we, are, when we are pressed up against the mission of God that he has given us. That we could either fall into the gap of, well, let's just go and we'll just figure it all out. Hit the ball without a target. Or or instead of cluelessness, that we just come in day in and day out and forsake the command of Christ that he gives us in this great commission and replace it with, how can I be more comfortable? How can I not have uncomfortable conversations? How can I find people who act like me, who talk like me, and let's just build up our little club, because that's what it is. It's no longer a church anymore that I can just pay my dues and, and the pastors will be there on my beck and call and then I'll leave and I'll check it off of the list. And, and again, those were just by way of uh, maybe just a prophetic word of warning to all of us. And what we're going to find in this great commission here is that any of those ideas are counter to the commission that Christ gives his church, the marching orders. And so I've laid out, I've already, kind of a, I already just kind of exposed this to you, what, what we're looking at. We're looking at, again, a, com, a claim of Jesus, a command of Jesus and the comfort of Jesus. Now, uh, apparently, I was thinking about this this morning. uh, Either I'm getting older and and I'm becoming more Baptist because suddenly I have three points and they all start with the same letter. So if if that offends you, I, I am terribly sorry. I guess this is what you get with the older version of Matthew. And then the older I get, the more disgruntled I get. And I don't even know why I'm still talking. Let's look at the claim that Christ makes. Look what he says. All authority, like every single bit of it, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, let that settle in your mind for just a moment. That not like a semi-authority, not like this, I'll reign and rule, and I'll also allow Satan to reign and rule. No, this is the king is set on his throne. And he is ruling and reigning over every single nation, over the entire cosmos. Now, let this, let this settle in your mind for just a moment. No other person has made that claim. I mean, I, I've, I've looked at history. I've, I've tried to find other people who would make a claim like this, and I can't find it. Nobody has made a claim that every ounce of authority that is in and outside of the cosmos has been given to Christ Jesus. No one can make that claim. But Jesus makes this claim, and, and, and you just don't make this claim if you're a mere human being, right? Like, if you're a mere human being, like, like, you don't make this claim. You're crazy, and you belong in the bin, right? And this is what C.S. Lewis tells us to wrestle with when we think about the, the, who Jesus is, that he's either a liar a lunatic, or lunatic, he, or he is who he says that he is. So he either has all of the authority, or he's a liar or a lunatic. And I'll just let you wrestle with that on your own time. But Jesus makes this Claim that all authority, all authority. And and people, this gospel says that they're in amazement, and, and even some are doubting as Jesus is speaking. Jesus is making an acclaim of authority that today all of the scripture, all of the Old Testament has been pointing to me. Let's go. Game on. It's time to move that all of what the Old Testament has been writing and what's been prophesied about, it is game on. Jesus says, it's all been pointing to me. It's all about me. All of the authority has been given to me. Now, again, I I have to just kind of pass this by. I can't pass this by. Uh, It's interesting that we have a government in here in these United States of America that thinks that they can fix us that thinks that they are our divine authority, despite the fact that we're a constitutional republic, but I digress, that we the people dictate who allows, uh, we allow the people to enact the policies that we have. But for some reason... For some reason, we have, we have a governing authority that thinks that they are here to fix us. That they are the divine authority over us. And, and, before, and before you say amen, because I got I to gotta kick us all, I got to kick me in the shins for a second. Some of us have just kind of blindly allowed them to do that. And we have said all authority has been given to whatever party you want to affiliate yourself with. That, that, whatever king that is on this earth, I'll give my, I will allow them to be the divine authority. And we have ascribed to this, uh, this belief that, that whether we, we think that all the authority has been given to, and we have, we have just kind of bowed our knee to any political system, any political party, any governing authority, and to some of us, we just kind of blindly just allow them, well, they're our authority. Listen. There is no king, there is no government that has been ever established that can ever say they have the divine authority that would demand us to bow our knee to. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto him, not to a king, not to a president, not to a prophet, but to him and him alone. And he does not share that authority with anybody. All authority has been given to Christ. Now, this is a claim that you have to wrestle with on your own time, that all authority has been given to Christ. Now, we we see this claim It is a claim that only a divine one can give, but we also see the command that the divine one gives to us. And Jesus came and said to them, again, I got to repeat this, all authority in heaven has been given to me. What's the next word? Go, therefore. Notice the therefore that's in there. Because it's the authority of Jesus that gives us the responsibility to evangelize. It's the authority of Jesus Christ and His claim that gives us that authority, that um, that power to, to then go out and proclaim the good news of Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go. You go. You go and tell the world. Tell the world of his saving grace. Tell the crooked, messed up, bent up people that Christ has come to save them and to redeem them. And he comes and he comes in and he speaks to each of us because, because this is the MO of God, that God loves to save people. And so then the authority that Christ has given to us, gives us this command then to go. Why? Because it's the church. The church is the ones who are, who are heralding the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaiming salvation to sinners. Therefore, you go, you tell, tell the world. And there's a bit of logic in this that we have to kind of come to a little bit, don't we? And it's a question, and it kind of helps us uh, to answer some of the questions that are inevitably going to be put forth before us. Well, and some of the questions, they kind of come out a, li- a little bit like this. What right do you think you have to go into nations and interfere with their religion or another culture what right do you have to educate children, the next generation... What right do you have to, to speak to the children of this generation? What right do you have to stand up against godless governments, against godless policies and agendas? What right do you have? And I'll tell you, the answer is, and, and the only answer is, that the right that I have is because I am in the service of the one who has all of the authority, why would you do this? Someone would say. Why would you go to to our government? Why would you go and speak out against evil agendas? Why would you go and speak out uh, for the voiceless? Well, the answer is because I. It, well, the answer is not because I feel an urge in my my belly. The answer isn't that I feel guilty. It's because of the consequence of who Jesus is, and that if He has all the authority. Then I must listen to the command that he has given me. And the command is inevitable for every single one of us. To go. Go to the nations and proclaim that Jesus is ruling and reigning and he saves sinners. That's that's what we have to to come again or come to wrestle with this morning. Because if Jesus is going to reign everywhere, how is that going to happen? It's going to happen. And I'll tell you how it's going to happen because you're all so, so giddy to, to wait for the answer. How is He going to reign over, over all nations? But through a church who is fearlessly proclaiming there is only one king and his name is Jesus. Isn't that what, what Paul would go on to say in Philippians? That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Y'all, he wasn't talking to a church, just a church. He was writing a letter that he knew would get to Caesar. It's going to take some gutsy proclamation from some people who understand that there is an authority that is above all things. And if he has that authority, then I must submit to his command for me in my life. And that is to go. Now, notice just a few things from this this command that he tells us go, therefore, and do what? You make disciples. What does that mean? It means to bring people to Jesus so that they might be converted. It means to bring people to Jesus so that they might be converted. It does not mean, and y'all, have, I say this quite often, and I know I get, I, I, I understand that this is a difficult one to come to, uh, especially to, to those who are in the camp of introvertedness. I may appear to be extrovertedness, but I think I have a dual personality, okay? You can think I'm crazy, I don't care, I am crazy. There are times when I am extroverted, but then there are times that I am introverted. And this one shocks the introvertedness one of me. The notice the claim is not, go and try to live your lifestyle out in every orb of society. It's not go and share your ideas with them about religion. It's go to them and share Jesus with them in such a way to make them understand that they're at a crossroad. And the crossroad is this, and it's simply, it's simply this. That they, either, that they either submit to Jesus and who he is, or that they reject Jesus for all he's done for them. That's the command that we're given here. It's a command that we are to go you you gotta realize, like there are people around you that have burdens, right? And if you didn't realize that, I'm I'm here to help you out this morning. Folks got burdens on them. They're burdened, they're weighted down with life, with the burden of sin, with the burden of shame, with 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 whatever burden you want to throw in there. And if and if and if I, if I went up to him and I, I came up to somebody who I knew was going through some very dark and difficult times, and I went to them and I, and I said, well, all you got to do is just start acting good like me. I can tell you what this southern, southern Georgia boy would do if I was going through some, some heartache and somebody just came up to me and said, well, you just got to try, try harder. Well, I won't tell you because it's, it's not very Christ-like. And it is, and it's also just like it's just like the idea of, of if if there is a an outbreak of disease and you had the cure, but you're like, you know what? I think if they just continue to try to get better on their own, and I just keep this cure to myself. It it makes me think of Pilgrim's Progress, uh, the the several hundred-year-old book that if you have not read, I would recommend you reading this book from John Bunyan. It's the life of Christian. And in this dream, he goes up uh, to a hill and, and 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 he says, at this hill, I was met with a cross. I was at a crossroad. And suddenly when I met the cross... My burden, this backpack, as, as we have been reading about, as you, as you read on and you, you find that, that Christian has this burden and this, this big weight on his back, but when he meets the cross of Christ, the burden comes down and it rolls down the hill where it is swallowed up in a tomb. You have to start seeing people through that type of lens, That they have a burden on their back. And the only way that the burden comes off, the only way that the burden comes off is if they are met at the crossroads of the cross of Christ. And that does not come by you living a good life, yet it comes by you proclaiming that Jesus loves to save sinners. And he is good. That's how we do this. So, so with the authority of Christ, go therefore make disciples of Jesus. Now listen, I don't want you to hear all that I just heard and say, well, the pastor just said, I'm not, I don't need to live a good life or you know, I'm not supposed to be hospitable. or you, know, you just no. yes, nobody wants to be around a turd, right? I don't know how any kind of uh, holy way to say that. Nobody wants to be around that type of person. Yes, let the fruit of the spirit live outside of you. Let it flow from you, but make no mistake. It is the proclamation of the word of God that brings sinners to repentance. And as I said, that makes some of us introverts very uncomfortable. But it is the claim that Christ gives us or the command that Christ gives us. And then he says, baptize them. So he's not just saying like, well, now that you brought them here, let's allow them to live their secret life. And, and listen, you, you can live your secret life uh, as a disciple, but let me tell you something. Uh, one of the two things are going to take place, that if you're a secret disciple, uh, you're, you're going to fall under just not being a disciple at all. Because you just won't be there. There is, I'm just ashamed. Like, this is my private faith. And yes, you have a private walk with the Lord. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there is nowhere in Scripture where we are to just live our lives on some secluded island. And so Jesus says, we won't have none of it. If if they come to me, they they repent of their sins, come to me, then let's go get baptized. Why? Because baptism is the external expression of what Christ has given to them or what's already happened to them. And then he says, teach them. Teach them to to obey the commands that he has given. And Paul would say it like this, uh, first importance. Isn't that what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe? That the first importance I deliver to you as a first importance that Christ died for sins. That those who have followed after Christ, they keep what is first importance. What is first importance? We teach, we call them first things first. The essentials. The divinity of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what is not an essential and what you can have an argument about all day, every day how this thing is going to come to an end. That is not an essential. That's not salvific in nature. So let's teach them to obey. Teach them what is the first importance. That's what he gives us. So he says, he says it's time to go. It's time to make disciples. Go baptize them and teach them. Teach them what, not just what Christ has done in you but what Christ has done for all of us. Because I could teach what, I could tell somebody my testimony. I can tell you what's, what's happened inside of me. But so can a Buddhist. So can, um, I mean, you insert the blank uh, with any religion. They can tell you they had some kind of experience they can tell you that, man, I had this, this burning sensation and I just, I just knew it. Like I felt it. I, I, I came to tears. I had this emotional moment. Like any religion will tell you that. So we're not just to say, just go share your testimony, which is what Christ has done in us, which you ought to do, but you cannot end there. You have to make the claim of what Christ has done for all of us. And what is that? I'm so glad you asked that Christ Came to save sinners. I and look, I I get it. That is language that some of us are just not comfortable with. I gotta go tell them they're a sinner. Like we sang a song that was talking about the blood. What is this church? Like they're gonna go to start start getting garlic out next and 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 getting the cross out to, to identify who's the one sucking the blood? Like, what is this language? Like, I get it. If you're new to faith, like some of this stuff is interesting. Sinner, I'm a sinner? Yeah, and you need to be reconciled to God. The only way out of the predicament that you find yourself in is not becoming a better version of yourself or to fix different places in your life that you think you need to be fixed. It's becoming a new creation. How is that? You turn to Christ. You come to that, that hill like Christian does in Pilgrim's Progress, and at the crossroad, you're presented the cross of Christ, and then you lay your burdens down at his feet, and you watch your burdens and your shame and your past and your sin roll down and be swallowed up in the tomb. That's what Christ has called us into. And then lastly, he gives us this, this comfort here, because I've got to be honest with you, like like, all of this seems like it's almost terrifying. Fearful is what the Bible would call some of these disciples. They go up and they lock the doors after this, right? Go in the upper room, let's lock the doors, I. Right? man, I don't know what to do with this stuff that Jesus just said, that he's got all authority, that everything is going to bow to his feet. And that I've got it. I I have to do something like we are the disciples so many times, like we hear this, we want to go into back into our house and say, I will never step foot back in that church because that church expects me to do something. And I've got to go proclaim the good news of Jesus. Let me go back into the comfort of my life and lock my door and be a, I don't want to be a part of them, them weird folks up in that movie theater. And that's what they do. But look what Jesus tells them. He says, it's okay because I will be with you until the end of the age. I don't know when the end of the age is, but I got a promise for you. You don't either. But until that time comes, we have a comforter that behold he is with us Isn't it interesting though how Matthew's gospel begins He appears to uh, the messenger of the Lord appears to Mary and what does he say to her You're going to conceive a child And what does he say You're going to name her what Emmanuel God with The gospel of Matthew begins with Emmanuel, God with us. And the gospel ends with Emmanuel, God with us. That I will be with you until the end of the age. God with us. Wasn't that what was prophesied in the Old Testament? That God will come down with you, Emmanuel, God with us. A bit, of a bit of a doctrine of, a bit of a Trinitarian doctrine for us this morning. God, God comes down. God comes down, Emmanuel, God with us. But, but who ascended on his believers to bring them the comfort? Well, the Holy Spirit. Well, now we have this conundrum here. Well, well, who is God then? God in one, one God, in three persons. You could finish the lyric on your own time. Bless it. See, now it's stuck in your head. One God, in three persons. God says, "I will come down, Emmanuel, God with you." The messenger of the Lord comes to Mary in Matthew chapter one. You'll have a son and you'll call him Emmanuel. Jesus says at the end of his gospel, I'm going to be with you, Emmanuel. Holy Spirit comes down as the comforter. God with us. We, we, I need to stop because I think my time is almost up here. But just a couple of thoughts. This is an opportunity this morning for, for us to refocus, for us to just step back and say, what are we doing why are we doing it? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question of realignment. I, and I, I think of maybe it's a, a spiritual chiropractor coming up in here and cracking your bones to get you realigned. I'll never do that. The, the physical realignment. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I did it one time. and knocked my hip out of joint. And ever since then, I'm like an 80-year-old man walking around with hip out of joint. That has nothing to do with anything, but this is a spiritual. (laughs) If you're new, I I can't apologize because it comes, it's, it's, I've tried, okay? We need a spiritual realignment. Let's get off that word. We need a spiritual refocus to where Dr. Jesus comes down. And he asks us his questions. What are you doing? Haven't I already mean, given you, giving you your, your marching orders? What are, what are we doing here? And I ask you this to, to, to wrestle uh, in your own time. Like, what, what am I doing as a believer, as a follower of Christ? But yeah, I'm, I think, you know, if my spirit, I'm, I'm living out my spiritual gifts, then, man, great. But are, are you, like, like, think about it. Here's a challenge for every single one of us. Find a person. Share the good news, share that story that God has called you out of your darkness and into his light and bring them to church. Bring them to the gathering, to the fold of God's people. It's a call of refocus for all of us. I think of Matthew here writing this. Matthew understood the authority that that Christ is. And and I'm, I'm going to close with this thought here. Matthew understood this authority that Jesus has because uh, somebody's uh, 1985 cell phone is ringing. Um, Matthew understood, I'm just kidding. Uh, Matthew understood the authority of Christ, of Jesus, because you've got to understand who Matthew was. Matthew was this tax collector, right? Tax collector Matthew, hated by everybody, right? I mean, he's got, he's got his business making plenty of money, But what happens? Something changes in Matthew, and here's what changed. Jesus changed him. Jesus locks eyes with Matthew and with authority, dead on in Matthew's face. Come, follow me. Could you imagine what Matthew thought? Who is this man looking at me? Does he not know me? I corroborate with the Romans. I oppress my own people. My brothers and sisters consider me as a dog. But look what the authority of Christ does to him dead in his eyes and says, Come and follow me. And Matthew has no other choice I, because that's what the authority and the grace of Jesus does. It calls us, what we call the effectual calling of Christ. It calls us and it demands something from us to answer the question. This guy's either a lunatic or he does have all the authority. How will we do this as a church? How will we continue to press Out the darkness in our world? How will we continue to proclaim the good news of Christ for some of us who feel like we're unqualified or we're too afraid? How will we do any of this? I mean, it's, it's only because Christ makes the claim because of his authority. That's how we'll do this. Not by our own might, not by our strength, not by anything that we could bring to the, but by the Holy Spirit that we have. That's how we'll accomplish this. If the last three years have proven anything to us, it has proven to us the deep and desperate need of the gospel of Christ in our nation. And so, who's going to go? Who's going to go speak out to the next generation? Who's going to go out and speak out against evil agendas and policies coming out of our government? Who's going to go and and speak to hostile environments with truth and grace? Who's going to do that? That's, That's the call. Who's going to go? And will you go?